Good morning, Victory Church. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we rejoice, and we are glad in it. My name is Paul. I'm privileged to serve as pastor of Victory Church of Charlottesville, where we exist to see people reconciled to God and to each other. I'm grateful this morning that you've joined us and made us your church home for the next 30 or so minutes. We are grateful. We're honored. And I am privileged this morning to introduce to some, but probably present to most of you, um, Troy Savage. And before I read uh, read his bio that he gave to me, I want to just talk a little bit about my experience of Troy at Victory Church. We met rather early on in the church's trajectory and history and uh, was immediately struck by the humility and uh, gentle spirit, yet quiet leadership strength of Troy. Um, and uh, he began serving in different capacities and ultimately landed most recently as uh, our prayer team coordinator, where the team has been literally just praying every single day for this community, the Charlottesville community, the broader uh, uh, country, if you will, and, and all of the things that that we submit for them and ask them to pray for, but also even beyond. And I know on the Troy's leadership, there's a, a really uh, just a great encouragement of the team to hear from the Lord um, so that they can pray accordingly for those things that they are directed to pray in line with the word of God. And I've been particularly impressed as I have been with so many leaders at Victory of the leadership development of those who have been able to serve under Troy's leadership. And so I'm grateful to call him friend, grateful to have his presence in my life personally and at Victory Church. We've had hours upon hours of conversations over the last three years, and I can tell you so much of who we are at Victory and the ways we've tried to move forward uh, at Victory have been influenced by uh, the gifts that are inside this man. And so with that said, I'm grateful for he and his bride, Chantel Savage, uh, but I'm just going to read his bio lest I talk for the whole time that should be his. Uh, Reverend Troy Savage. Reverend Savage was born and raised in Ottawa, Canada, where he accepted Christ. Troy has a bachelor's degree in civil and environmental engineering with minors in international affairs and public policy, finance, and computer science. He completed master's degrees in environmental science and divinity. Reverend Savage was ordained to Christian ministry at Christian Tabernacle Baptist Church by Pastor Keith Allen King. He served as an intern, minister, and youth minister at Christian Tabernacle, where he participated in all aspects of church life and helped the church start inextricably bound, a community development corporation. He has preached for congregations in the United States and Canada. He attends Victory Church, where he serves now on our and leads our prayer team. I added that, sorry. In addition to work, uh, Reverend Troy has worked as a teacher, engineer, sustainability coordinator, project manager, and management consultant. He currently leads innovative projects as a project manager for a global engineering and sustainability consultancy. Reverend Savage loves God and seeks to know him more. He authentically seeks after God and tries to apply God's truth in all that he does. He is specifically called to preach and teach in ways that empower individuals to explore how God is speaking to them. He's the proud husband of Chantel Savage, uh, the director of our worship team, I added that, and father of Emmanuel Savage. Would you join me by giving a warm, lively, <laughs> virtual welcome to Reverend Troy Savage. Thank you, Pastor Paul, for that introduction. Um, let the redeemed say so. I know I can't see you, I can't hear you, but I hope that at least in your heart, you just said so if you have been redeemed. 
Uh, I want to, to, to thank Pastor Paul uh, for uh, his awesome leadership and his stewardship of the vision that God has placed in him. Uh, I'm thankful for him, for uh, his ministry, especially for his leadership uh, and for the way that he has spoken into my life. Uh, and I think we should all give thanks uh, for Stefan, for Kate, uh, for Joseph, for Pastor Paul and Pastor Brett, uh, for the, the preaching moments that we've had over the past few weeks. Uh, they have been a blessing and they have certainly spoken to uh, my heart and my soul. And, and thanks also to all of you, uh, all of us, in fact, who are seeking to be reconciled to God and each other, even in our current situation, even uh, in a situation of rapid change. Uh, I'm excited to be in front of you here today. Uh, I am a little bit nervous, but that's all right. I, I know I hear somebody through the, through the ether saying, uh, I'm going to help the preacher preach, and I hope it is you saying that this morning. Uh, we're going to turn to our scripture. Uh, the scripture for this past sermon uh, is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. Uh, while you're getting that in your Bibles or on your phones, I'll just say that, uh, although that's the main scripture, we're going to extend what we read a little bit so we have a little bit more context. Uh, and so we will uh, extend to read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 21. Um, but as you are praying and meditating on this week, uh, you can focus on 18 and 18 through verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm reading now verses 14 through 21, uh, and our focus will be on 18 through 20. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. On verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The word of God in the word of strength. Uh, if I had to title uh, this moment, this sermon, uh, I would title it Redeemed and Reconciled. Uh, and the purpose is really to focus in on uh, what in some senses might be our founding scripture uh, and to focus in on this idea of being reconciled to God and each other. Let us pray. Gracious God, move us beyond the Zoom, 
beyond words, beyond distractions, even beyond language, to your heart and to our hearts seeking after you. But God, beyond me, let your voice speak. Use all of us in our communities scattered across this city and across this world. Use us in supernatural ways, Lord, in this moment to understand and to develop and to live into your vision for your people. We ask in your name. Amen. Praise God. Well, I have a confession. I'm a basketball fan. I've been a basketball fan for a long time. In fact, I've been a Toronto Raptors fan uh, since 1995. And so it was game seven. Toronto versus Philadelphia. Toronto had the ball. Game seven. It was the second round of the playoffs and moving on to the next round was on the line. We inbounded the ball. We got the ball to the person we wanted to take the last shot. They raised up. They shot the jumper. It looked good. It hit the rim. And it bounced off. It was 2001. And the Toronto Raptors had just lost to the Philadelphia 76ers. The 76ers went on to face the LA Lakers in the in the championship where they lost in five games. And in Toronto for the Toronto Raptors, that game, that moment, that loss by one point lived on from 2001 and beyond. And now some of you may have thought in sharing that story, I was talking about 2019 for indeed, in 2019, Toronto and Philadelphia were playing. Uh, in this case, the game was tied. Uh, we, Toronto, got the ball in to the person we wanted to take the last shot. In this case, they dribbled to the corner and they shot up a high shot. It looked like maybe it would be good. It hit the rim. And then it hit the rim again and again and again. And what seemed like an eternity, and the ball, some might say miraculously, fell in, and Toronto was able to finally pass the second round of the playoffs. Uh, we, we won that year. Uh, from 2001 to 2019, those 18 years there was a lot of losing. Uh, there was a lot of doing well in the regular season and then losing in the playoffs, and finally, in 2019, it felt like that last second shot in 2001 had been redeemed. 18 years it took, and it felt 
good. Uh, it felt good that it was Toronto versus Philadelphia. It felt good that the ball bounced off the rim the way it did, but this time it bounced in. It felt like the, the, the situation had been redeemed. Now I know. Maybe most of you who are listening uh, aren't, aren't Raptors fan. Uh, maybe Carl and Kat excluded, but uh, you might know a different story. Uh, all you who are connected with UVA. Because 2019 was also a year that may have felt like redemption for the UVA, the University of Virginia basketball team. Uh, 2018 was uh, a difficult year in UVA basketball land, and then 2019 happened. And somehow it just felt like no matter what, this redemption was going to happen. Uh, the double dribbles didn't get in our way. The last second shots didn't get in our way. And ultimately after one year, UVA redeemed the loss in 2018 in the first round, despite being the number one seed uh, and ended up winning it all. Redemption, redemption. Redemption is uh, this idea of serving to uh, offset or compensate for uh, a wrong or a, a defect. It is the, the, the process where something is not quite right or is wrong and we, we see it being made right. It, it, now I'm talking about basketball and indeed I recognize that for Raptors fans that redemption felt very good. I'm sure you could talk about redemptions for your own sports team, but if we were honest, we understand that redemption goes well beyond basketball and our sports teams. And so I ask you, where do you seek after redemption? Where do you see and long for justice or for the righting of wrongs? Where, where in your, your life are you waiting for the redemption of an apology? Waiting for affirmation that you have done well? you good and faithful servant, waiting for blood to be redeemed, waiting to sing our redemption song, knowing that our redeemer lives. There is, there is something about uh, what I might call the, the moral arc of the universe that seeks after redemption, that seeks after justice, that seeks a bent towards justice and truth, where we wait for meaningful change to happen. And, and where have you found redemption? Where have you had your Kawhi Leonard hitting that shot moment? Where have you in your life felt something redeemed? or resolved? And do you recognize where seeking after redemption invades the very way you live your life? <laughs> How can I make this plain? I had a situation uh, that needed to be redeemed. We don't need to get into the details because that's not the point of the story. Uh, and I was in school at the time, and I used to bike to school, and I would bike, and there would be this particular moment where I would get to a bridge between two sides of the city I lived in, 
And every time I got to this bridge, I felt this, this moment of, of, of freedom, if you please, where I felt like I could, could put some energy into my bike. And I recognized it as a time to kind of let the, let the throttle out and bike really hard. And I remember I would get to this bridge and I would, would push all of my might into the pedals in this moment that felt freeing. And I would go over this bridge and then every once in a while, when I went over the bridge, I would put so much energy into the pedal that my chain would slip off of the spokes. And I thought it was a problem with my bike chain. So I went and I got a new bike chain. And I remember one day I was biking over this bridge and I put so much energy into the bike chain that one of the class broke. The bike went careening off the wrong way, uh, and I was lucky uh, that everything turned out okay. Uh, and as I called, a called for help, I recognized in that moment that the, that the energy and the, the, the power that I was able to put into the bike pedals wasn't coming from this sense of freedom, but was instead coming from my desire to have this situation redeemed. And that the, 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 the energy, if it, the, the, the perhaps anger, if you please, uh, 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 of the situation was invading into the very moments I thought I was free. I thought I was free, but in fact, I was bound by this idea of needing to see this redemption. And it came out as, as, as power into the spokes. It came out as torque, but it came out in those moments. And I recognized that if it didn't change, I might have a problem. Because I made it through that day, the, the, the traffic in the other lane didn't get me, but indeed I recognized that I needed to find this redemption. And so in that moment, I said, God, this, this, the, 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 this need for redemption in this situation that I'm holding on to, this need that is driving me right now, even in this moment of, of, of freedom, I turn that over to you. Where in your life do you recognize a need for redemption driving how you act and how you move and how you have your being? And where do we need to turn that over to God? And indeed, you might be like many who, who seek after redemption and jump at the first opportunity. Ah, that you might see an opportunity. You might think that this is the time to leap and to make it happen and recognize that perhaps that redemption that you see so close that you can hold is not really from God. 
Uh, church, our redemption song is so very important. Our redemption song, I need to resolve these things to, to, to justice and to truth. I need to re be redeemed is so very important. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Paul uh, preached out of Luke and out of the road to Emmaus. And you may recall just one verse from that passage. Uh, it simply said uh, in 24, Luke 24, 21a, we had hoped that he, that Jesus, was the one to redeem Israel. The disciples, when it was all said and done, after Jesus had already been to the cross and already been down to the grave and had already conquered death, hell, and the grave, and the disciples were literally walking with Jesus, they said, we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. He would be the one to, to consolate Israel. He would be the one to restore the kingdom to its place. Indeed, the disciples were do, looking for that, and so was Simeon at the very beginning of his life. We're not going to read it now, but in Luke 2, he too was looking for the consolation uh, of Israel. Indeed, for about a thousand years from the, the kingdom of David uh, and on, the children of Israel were looking for the consolation or the redemption of Israel, not just in one lifetime, not just in two lifetimes, but in generation past, from generation to generation, there was hope for redemption. Redemption is powerful. Uh, redemption is important. And we should recognize where we seek after redemption where we seek for it on our jobs, in the way we're treated, where we seek for it in a court case, so in the outcome, where we seek for it in a basketball game, where we seek for it in our families, and ultimately where we seek for it in God. Because the truth of the matter is the disciples soon realized as Jesus explained to him, to them, the law and the prophets on that road, even though they didn't realize it was Jesus. The truth is that Jesus Christ came to redeem us. Uh, in a special way, uh, the, the issue was that we were separated from God that God was over here and we were over here and indeed it was uh, uh, our sin or our separation from God that, that prevented us from living fully into who we needed to be. And we couldn't, in some senses, redeemed ourselves just as I couldn't hit that, that, that jump shot in game seven. But instead, we had someone who could. That someone was sent by God and was the son of God and was sent when we couldn't redeem ourselves to redeem us. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Uh, that in the midst of it, Jesus Christ was sent to take on 
the wrong, to take on the injustice, to take on the tears, to take on <laughs> what caused me and what causes you to put so much energy into, in, in, into things and situations that we recognize are not right. Uh, Jesus Christ was called in a spiritual and a practical sense to, to come into our lives and to be accepted so that he could redeem us. The gospel truth is that we were separated from God, but God so loved us that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that Christ gave us a hope in a very real sense beyond our redemption, beyond our situation, so that we could go and have relationship with God. And when Jesus Christ came and when he died and he rose again, we got exactly what we were waiting for. We've been redeemed from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and ultimately from the presence of sin. We got everything that we needed. And it's funny, I've had this experience a couple of times, so I want to share it with you. I've been in a, a community that I, that I hold dear and walking around with other folks and talking to people and, and asking them where, uh, where they were with their God. Uh, and I remember this happened a few times. Uh, we would talk to a person and we'd ask them, hey, do you believe in God? Yes. Uh, do you? Do you go to church? Yes. Do you know that if you were to go on from this world today, would you be with God? And on instance after instance after instance, the response would come down to God cannot save me from the wrong that I've done. And so I want to submit to you right now, if you believe that you cannot be redeemed, uh, that, 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 that you've been so far from the presence of God, that you've done so much wrong that God cannot redeem you, I want to let you know that indeed I'm going to call that a lie from the pit of hell. For indeed, our God can and our God will and our God has already redeemed us from sin, redeemed us from our separation. Our God has already embraced us. And so if your story right now is that your God cannot redeem you, that your God cannot save you, I want you to explicitly to explicitly recognize that God has already saved you, that God has already redeemed you. And all you need to do is accept that truth. That God has redeemed us from sin and indeed God is continuing to redeem this world that is because of our Lord ultimately bent towards justice, even when it's difficult to see, even when we don't experience it in the moment. Indeed, God's already done it through his son, Jesus Christ. And so we have been and are redeemed 
right now from the penalty of sin, uh, from the power of sin, and as I said, ultimately from the presence of sin. But this morning, in the few minutes I have left, I want to highlight the fact that we've been called to so much more than seeking after redemption. Uh, we've also been called to the ministry of reconciliation. Indeed, we've been called there just like the church at Corinth. Ah, the church at Corinth, this cosmopolitan city uh, with two ports. And as you can imagine, because of these two uh, important institutions, there were folks from all over the world who came and passed these shores. Uh, and indeed, this church at Corinth was a church that Paul helped found uh, alongside Prisca and Aquila and others. Uh, and, and while there were many issues, Paul didn't leave or forsake uh, this church. He had an ongoing conversation with them, uh, recorded in the scriptures in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and scholars believe and perhaps and even know with certainty that there were at least uh, two other letters uh, between Paul and the church at Corinth. And Paul calls this church explicitly to the ministry of reconciliation. What does the ministry of reconciliation mean? Focusing and reading again in our scripture, starting at Luke 16. So from now on, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. We are new in Christ. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. His love compels us. And while reconciliation feels impossible, from a worldly point of view, we no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. We once even regarded Christ in this way, but we do so no longer. And if anyone, if we are in Christ, then we are a new creation. And that reconciliation in Christ is flipped on its head because we often assume that reconciliation involves action by the one who has done wrong. But Christ was the one who reconciled the world to himself. And in doing that, he didn't just reconcile us to himself, 
but he also has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We're reconciled to God because God has reconciled us to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. But how can we be reconciled to each other? If Christ had to do it, how can we do it? Well, Paul has told us, uh, indeed Paul has shown us that we are Christ's ambassadors. And like all ambassadors, we represent our nation, but we are not our nation. We, well, we negotiate on behalf of our nation, but we are not our nation. Oh, and when we want to negotiate a new deal, we need to call back to our nation and say, is this okay? We are representative of, uh, in this case of Christ, we are Christ's ambassadors. As the scripture says, we are there for Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on Christ's behalf, re be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors to the one who has reconciled us and therefore as ambassadors, as ambassadors who are, are, are filled with God's spirit, we can participate in Christ's reconciliation to others. Oh, we seek after redemption and it is natural and it is true. And indeed we seek after justice. And I encourage you to always give that over to God so that it can be done in healthy ways that we can see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. But we don't just seek after redemption, we seek after reconciliation, to be reconciled to God and each other. How, how, how can I make this plain? I remember a long time ago, I had the opportunity to hear a lady named Mary Johnson speak. Now, Mary uh, was a mother of a 20-year-old son who was murdered. Uh, the perpetrator was 16-year-old at the time, O'Shea Israel, and O'Shea received a long jail sentence. Uh, Mary in that session, and indeed, her story is online, is featured in many places, but Mary was in the courtroom facing O'Shea, her son's killer, and she remembers being upset uh, because this young man, he was 16 at the time, was going to be tried as an adult for first-degree murder. And the judge suddenly changed the charge to second-degree murder. Mary was not happy. Yet. She was excited about being able to give her victim impact statement. She viewed O'Shea, she says, as an animal. And the only thing that kept her going was... Uh, what she felt like would be some small modicum of redemption in her statement. 
Now she was a Christian woman and uh, inspired by her faith and the, the fact that the Bible teaches us to forgive. At the end of her statement, she said in the courtroom, I forgive you, O'Shea. But she recognized as she went on, in fact, she read a poem and then had a revelation from God. She recognized that she indeed had not fully forgiven O'Shea. And so for the first time ever, she went to the prison and she met with O'Shea and talked with him. And at the end of that moment, She realized that she had forgiven him. And in that moment, she says she felt something move away from her. Indeed, Mary spoke for O'Shea to be released. And when O'Shea was released, Mary and O'Shea travel now uh, the country sharing their story and uh, what it means to somehow be reconciled to each other. Indeed, when O'Shea needed a place to live in Minneapolis, there was uh, uh, an apartment right beside Mary's and Mary agreed and encouraged O'Shea to move into that apartment. That somehow in the midst of all of this, redemption turned into reconciliation. Mary now sees O'Shea perhaps close to the way that Christ might see O'Shea. Now, if I were honest in this moment, I would tell you that this story has compelled me for so long because it is remarkable. Because the call of reconciliation seems so difficult. And yet we, and when I say we, I mean victory, are called to this vision to be reconciled to God and to each other. We're called to this unique vision in this place and in this season as ambassadors for Christ. Speaking on behalf of Christ granted in some senses diplomatic immunity, but still being called to understand and to live into the meaning and the opportunity of being not just redeemed by God, not just seeking redemption, but also to be reconciled to God and to each other. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the reconciled of the Lord say so in, in what might be a new psalm. And let the ambassadors of reconciliation say so. 
In church, we are invited yeah, in our sermons, in our serving in the ministry, in our small groups to continue together to discover the meaning and the measure of being reconciled to God and each other. I'm so excited to be with you in this particular stage of the journey. Let us pray. God, grant us the ministry of reconciliation. God, we are a body of many members and we need each other, Lord, to step further into this vision that you've called this people to. Oh, as you sent Paul to the church at Corinth to sharpen and to focus and to call to the ministry of reconciliation. So we accept that you've sent Pastor Paul to this place and given your vision to call this people to the ministry of reconciliation. And so now, Lord God, we pray that you would reveal to us a deeper understanding, both in head knowledge, but also in heart knowledge, and also with our hands and our feet directed by the Spirit, how you seek us to live in reconciliation in this week, in this year, and in this historical moment. We trust you for it, Lord. And now I would be remiss if I didn't invite any of you who are out there in, in the audience. Uh, maybe you're listening to this on April 25th, three days after Earth Day, or maybe you are listening many, many, many moons later. I would be remiss if I didn't invite you, if you've heard the truth of God's redemption through Jesus Christ and you're ready to accept the truth that God loves you. If you're ready, I want to encourage you to accept God. He did the redeeming through his son, Jesus Christ. The only thing he asks for us is to accept that truth and then to live in the reality that God can and he already has saved us. He did it all except to leave the agency in your hands to say yes to what God has already done. For indeed, God does love you that much. And I'm excited in his love for you and how it can be made manifest within your life and within the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, if you haven't accepted Christ, I encourage you to do so now. God, we accept that when we were yet sinners, when? when we were unacceptable, you died for us. We accept that truth and therefore repent of the ways that we've allowed the separation from you. Ah, the sin, the separation that so easily insets. Instead, Lord, we turn that over to you and accept your sacrifice for your grace. Fill our hearts now, Lord God 
with your presence and with your purpose so that we might walk in you. Uh, and if you have indeed accepted Christ on today, I want to encourage you to, to let somebody know and indeed to fill out a connect card so that Victory Church can connect with you and to join with you in a journey towards huh, your continued reconciliation and redemption in Christ. It's a beautiful thing to be able to walk with our God. Church, I'm excited about what God is doing even now in our midst. I'm excited about a people who can help others see beyond the injustice of this world and to live in the truth of redemption. And I'm excited as we explore together how God is calling us in this moment and in this season to the ministry of reconciliation. Thanks for continuing to pray and to live into this moment. Go with God and be encouraged. Thank you.